I think we all love Christmas. The family, the tree, the gifts, and all the familiar glorious music, special food, get-togethers, church family worship, children's performances, sometimes at church or at their schools, caroling, vacation days, (laughs) Luke chapter 2, Matthew chapter 1, and this year, Christmas morning worship service. We all love Christmas, or at least we should. Without Christmas, there's no Easter. And without Easter, there's no forgiveness of sins. And without any forgiveness of sins, there's no heaven. We're in a Christmas word series. Last time together, we considered the Christmas words, the time. The time. This morning... We have two different Christmas words that may seem unlikely to you, and they are until and, and then. Until and then are also Christmas words, and so we're going to see why in this message. Until and then. Turn your Bibles, if you have them with, to the Old Testament prophet Micah. Micah chapter 5, verses 2 and 3 will be our scripture text for this time in God's word. And in this passage of two verses, we see these Christmas words, until and then. You say, Pastor Rob, how in the world can a temporal connective word like until be a Christmas word? How can a temporal connective word be a Christmas word like then? Well, let's see. Micah chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, reading from the New American Standard Bible, the NASB. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Too little to be among the nations of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has borne a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. Let me point out to you that the Lord moved his prophet Micah to write this particular scripture close to 600 years before Christ was even born. And this particular Christmas prophecy of Micah 5, 2, and 3 was given by God six full centuries before the first Christmas, 600 years before the miraculous virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's amazing. But that's your God. That he would predict six centuries before Messiah, where Messiah would be born, is amazing. But that's our amazing God. So, let me fill you in on a bit of the times of the prophet Micah. Micah ministered to the people of Judah at the same time that Hosea prophesied to the people of Israel in the north, and at the same time that Isaiah was also warning Judah, as was Micah, so they were all contemporaries of each other. They ministered God's word at the same time. Now, it was at that particular time that Judah, the southern tribes, really needed the ministry of God's truth. 
And that was true because for the most part, Micah lived when Judah's kings were either 100% wicked like Ahaz or only 50% righteous like Jotham. The exception to that was good king Hezekiah, who firmly stood against idolatry and against military reliance upon an idolatrous foreign nation. Are we standing against idolatry in the Bahamas? We need to. Micah ministered to actual first readers and hearers who were common people. God must love common people because he has made so many of us. Micah ministered the truth of God to common people, hardworking people, Jewish people, and we would say that they were the blue-collar people of Judah. And back then, like for many of us here today, their lives were not easy. Far from it. As peasants, they were harassed by foreign armies, they were exploited by wealthy persons, and they were oppressed both by Jewish rulers and by false prophets. The squeeze was on the original hearers and readers of Micah's prophecy. They were between a rock and a hard place when Micah ministered the truth from God, the predictive truth from God. Not surprisingly, uh, Micah's plea on behalf of the Lord was primarily a plea for social justice, since it was sorely lacking at Micah's time. Now, that's enough, I think, of a context for Micah's prophecy. It found in chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. Now I want to dive into verses 2 and 3 with you. Why? In order to teach you that these verses contain the unlikely Christmas words, until and then, until and then. Let me begin by reading just the first part of Micah 5, 2. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. The first thing I want to say is that Bethlehem, also known as Ephrathah, was a name of both a town and a district. It would be like saying New York, New York, or as my friends up there say, New York, New York. It was a city, little one, and it was a state or a region, was Ephrathah, also known as Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, in the Hebrew, it means house of bread, and Ephrathah means fruitful. That's because the city, the little city of Bethlehem and the region of Ephrathah was the breadbasket of Judah. It was where barley and wheat were harvested on large scale. In a way, it was how the nation was fed. So we're getting the picture. The town and the region of Bethlehem, where our Lord and Savior was born, was a whole lot more like Governor's Harbor than it was like Nassau. Bethlehem was one of the most unlikely places for celebrity to occur. A blue-collar place farming, 
It says again in verse 2, But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. We go on. From you, one, in my Bibles, one, one is a capital O. From you, one will go forth for me, capital M on me, for me to be ruler in Israel. The me, the first person uh, singular pronoun me, refers to God the Father. This prediction from Micah was saying that one, that is Jesus, God the Son, will go forth from me, God the Father speaking, to be ruler of Israel. Why would God the Father send forth Though God the Son, we know now to be the Lord Jesus Christ, because God the Father had purpose. God the Father had planned. God the Father had decree. God the Father had a redemptive heart for rebels and sinners like me and all of us. And God the Son would go forth from God the Father. In God the Father's words there in verse 2, from you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. To accomplish the Father's will, Jesus went forth. To bring to pass the Father's decrees for personal salvation for repentant sinners. To die providing vicarious atonement. To be crucified in order to be the propitiation, satisfactory payment for sin. To one day, to one day reunite Israel, in order to rule and to reign over a literal Israel in a future thousand-year millennial kingdom on earth, to personify eternal God on earth, to explain exactly who God is, exactly what God is like. For these reasons and more, God the Father says of Christ, for you, from you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. For all these reasons, God the Father predicted that God the Son, the Messiah, would go forth for God the Father to accomplish all the God the Father's will. The last part of verse 2. His, that is, Messiah's going forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. 600 years before the birth of Christ, God the Father moves Micah to write, his, Messiah's going forth, are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Well, that's very clearly stating that Jesus Christ, Lord, is eternal. He is without a beginning, and he is without an ending. He spoke the universes, the galaxies, the planetary bodies, the stars, in their places by the word of his mouth. He is the uncreated creator. This is our Lord, and this is our Savior, Jesus Christ. Of course, one of the most Christological and wonderful passages of the New Testament was quoted by Anthon earlier in the service. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Listen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Yes, Jesus Christ came forth from Bethlehem, having first gone forth from long ago, from the days of eternity, the uncreated Son of God, the uncreated Creator. Let's turn 
our attention to verse 3, which is of particular interest because it has the two Christmas words, until and then, within verse 3. Let me show you how until and then are indeed Christmas words. Let's read the whole verse. 3. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has borne a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. Let me start with the Christmas word until. But before I get to the until, let's get to the therefore at the beginning of verse 3. As inductive Bible students, I hope you realize that whenever you see a therefore in the beginning of any verse of Scripture, you need to hunt back in the previous verse or verses to see what the therefore is there for. And when you look at the therefore at the beginning of the front door of verse 3, and you look back to the context, you will see there are very specific reasons why verse 3 starts with the therefore, and these are some of those reasons. The therefore is there because Messiah would come from the Father to earth to do the Father's will. And the therefore is there at the beginning of verse 3 because Messiah will ultimately be the ruler of a reunited, reunited Israel, and in fact, of a subdued entire earth of nations. And the therefore is there at the front door of verse 3 because Messiah is eternal God and thereby is unstoppable. And therefore, for the 600 years after Micah's time until Christmas word, for the 600 years after Micah's time until the birth of Messiah, the pre-incarnate Savior will give the nation of Israel up with respect to a national King, Let me say that again. For the 600 years after the prophet Micah prophesied until the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the pre-incarnate Christ would give the nation of Israel up with respect to the nation of Israel having the blessing of a king. Put simply, there was going to be no king in Israel until the king of kings was born in Bethlehem. Until is a Christmas word. Verse 3, therefore, he will give them up until the time. We talked about the time last Sunday. When she who is in labor, that's the Virgin Mary, has born a child. Let me stop there in the middle of verse 3. So what we are seeing is that before the first Christmas, Jesus was uh, going to not come for 600 years. And in that interim, in that 600-year period between Micah and the birth of Christ, the first Christmas, there were going to be some situations that were uh, very real to the Jews. In that 600-time period, that the nation of Israel was going to be divided into two separate exiles. The northern tribes of Israel went into Assyrian captivity. Never to be seen since. The southern two tribes, called Judah, would later go into deportation and exile in Babylon. That was Daniel and his teenage friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so this is saying that before the king of kings would come as a babe in Bethlehem, the first Christmas, there would be six centuries when the Jewish people would lack any king. That's the until. End of verse 3. When she who is in labor has 
born a child. You know, the fact that Micah predicted that 600 years would pass with Israel having no king until the king of kings would burst on the scene the first Christmas ought to have not made the triumphal entry a surprise to Jews. They ought not to have been shocked that their Messiah king would be publicly presented to them on triumphal entry, Lord's Day. They should not have been surprised. Yes, when she, Mary, who is in labor, has born a child, when that happens, God will cease the sad situation where Israel lacks a king for six centuries. Now here in Micah 5, 3, we see then that until is a Christmas word because the nation of Israel, to say it again, would be six centuries without any king until the king of kings was born of a virgin and laid in a feeding trough. I'm here to tell you that the kingdom of Jesus Christ is literal, and it's coming. He prayed in his model prayer for the disciples to his father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you noticed that God's will is not being done yet on earth as it is in heaven? God's will is done immediately in heaven. God's will is done completely in heaven. God's will is done reverently in heaven. God's will is done gloriously in heaven. And yet, God's will not yet is being done on earth that way, but one day they will. When the second coming of Christ comes and he forcibly establishes his literal thousand-year millennial kingdom on earth, sitting on David's literal throne in Jerusalem, suppressing evil with an iron scepter, it says in Isaiah chapter 11, Jesus came the first time at Christmas as the Lamb of God. He will come the second time as the Lion of the tribe of Judah, and he will set evil in its place. Satan will be bound and confined to a pit literally for a thousand years, so King Jesus will rule the earth, and his prayer to the Father will be fully answered. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm looking forward to that. So let me say it again. The coming kingdom of God required and still requires King Jesus. And it is King Jesus who is cited back in verse 2's phrase, from you one, that's Jesus, from you one will go forth from me, the Father, to be ruler in Israel. And so we're saying that Micah 5.3, in there that word until is a Christmas word, in that the Israelite division and oppression and kinglessness situation would begin to be resolved when a virgin would give birth to the Savior. The miracle child, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ, the world's only Savior. The miracle child, for certain, came from the Father. The miracle child, without doubt, will be the King of Israel, and in fact, the King of all the nations of the earth and His kingdom. And after his first and second comings have come to pass, then he will set up his kingdom and uh, rule in righteousness. And this miracle child is the world's only hope and the only answer for sin. And so I do trust that you can see that here in Micah chapter 5, verse 3, that that little connection word, until, is truly a wonderful Christmas word. If you write in your Bibles... I suggest that in verse 3, you circle the word until to remind you it's a Christmas word. 
This leaves us with the second question. How in the world is the connective word then also a Christmas word? Until we've seen how that's a Christmas word, now let's see how then is also a Christmas word. Let's read the entirety of verse 3. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. Here's the Christmas word. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. How is then a Christmas word? Well, if you wrote in your Bible, I would also write and circle the then. So now you would have two circled words. You'll have until and then. To remind you later that these are both Christmas words. Let me tell you how the word then is a Christmas word. Before I do, let me tell you something that's very important for you to understand, verse 3. Between the first part of verse 3 and the second part of the same verse is 2,000 years and counting. There are 2,000 years between the first part of verse 3 and the second part of verse 3's fulfillment. Do you think that's odd? How could it be odd to God? In 2 Peter 3, verse 8, it tells us that to our God, one day is as a 1,000 years, and a 1,000 years are as one day. So really, when I tell you there's a 2,000 years and, and counting between the first part of verse 3 and the second part of verse 3, I'm just saying to God, it's like a weekend. It's just a weekend. To the eyes of heaven, it's just a weekend. And in the first part of verse 3, there in Micah 5, it is referencing and predicting the first coming of Christ, Christmas. And the second part of verse 3 is referencing and predicting the second coming of Christ, which is Armageddon, Revelation chapter 20. 19 and 20. And so to say it again, so far there has been over 2,000 years between Micah 3 verse Part A and Micah 3, Part B. So what's going to happen when the then action happens? What is going to happen when Christ comes a second time to establish his kingdom? What's going to happen after that event's then? Well, a lot of good things. Satan's going to be bound in a, in a pit, confined in a pit for 1,000 years. Christ's kingdom of righteousness, called the millennium, lasting a thousand years, will commence. The remainder of Christ's Jewish brethren will return and be with one another again under King Jesus' rule of the whole wide world. That's what it means when it says, then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. At that second coming event, Jews will be reunited with each other to see the total fulfillment of all of God's unconditional covenants made with them. There's only one covenant in the Old Testament that God struck with the nation of Israel that was conditional. It was the Mosaic covenant. We also call it the law. God said in Deuteronomy 28 to the Jews, if you keep the law, I will bless you. If you break the law, I will curse you. That's the only conditional covenant of all the covenants that God struck with Israel. There are some people who want you to believe that because Israel has a checkered history of disobedience and obedience, that God has just kicked Israel to the curb with respect to his covenants and his promises to them to take on the church. That is not true. Because if God could break his promises to Israel and kick them to the curb, what would keep God from kicking the church to the curb and breaking his promises to the church? Well, he breaks promises to nobody. God keeps his promises to his covenantal people, the Jews, and to the church. He keeps his promises. 
What are the promises that God is going to bring to fruition, completion in the future kingdom of Christ on earth? The Abrahamic covenant, unconditional. The Palestinian covenant, also unconditional. The new covenant, also unconditional. So what we're saying is, if the timeline is here, we are here. Say that we are here, Christmas 2016. The next event we're anticipating scripturally is the rapture return of Christ for the church. He comes to the earth's atmosphere, 1 Thessalonians 4, gathers us out, some living and some resurrected from the dead, and then that kicks off seven years of tribulation. Revelation chapters 4 through 19. By the way, people who believe the church is going through the tribulation, could you tell me why the word church never appears in Revelation chapter 4 through 19? Just wondering. The second coming of Christ to planet earth. The Mount of Olives, east side of Jerusalem, touches down, walks through the eastern gate that's been closed for centuries because the earthquake that splits the Mount of Olives north-south into a rift, he walks through the crack, the canyon, that's created by that seismological miracle, and he walks through the eastern gate right up to the Temple Mount and sits on David's throne and rules and reigns planet Earth with force, suppressing evil, And so what we're seeing in Micah 5.3 is that there's a 2,000-year gap between the first part of verse 3 and the second part. The first part's talking about the first coming of Christ. The second half of the verse is talking about the second coming of Christ. And there's 2,000 years and counting between the two halves of that one verse. I hope that you're seeing that until is a Christmas word, Micah 5.3, and then is also a Christmas word, Micah 5.3. I imagine if you've been a Christian any length of time and you're familiar with prophecy, you came into this message knowing that Micah 5, 2, and 3 miraculously predicted the place where Jesus the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, Ephratah. But I hope at this point near the end of this sermon, you're seeing that there are some Christmas words in these two verses that are exceptional when it comes to the prophetic timeline and plan for God for human history. That Israel, for 600 years after the time of Micah, would be without any king until the king of kings was born the first Christmas. And then when the second coming of Christ happens... Then the Jews will be reunited, they'll be brought together, and they'll be under the kingship of Jesus Christ along with Gentile believers in Jesus. And that's when Jesus' prayer to his father in the disciples' model prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's when that prayer will be answered. Until and then, Christmas words in Micah 5, verse 3. All right, Pastor, I've followed with you. I've been listening carefully. It's not exactly an easy sermon. It's not fluff. It's meat. Thank you for sticking with me. So what do we do with this? How do we remember this? How does this make a difference in our Monday to Saturday living in December when everything's pulling for our attention and our energy and our money? Well, let me give you some observations with each observation linked with a suggestion for application. Observation looks at the text and says, what does it say? Application looks at the text and says, what difference does it make? 
The first observation in these two little verses in Micah 5 is that Christmas is about a long-awaited king arriving. Christmas is about a long-awaited king arising and arriving. What if you did this? What if you made, out of simple paper, three paper crowns? And then what if you made a fourth paper crown bigger than the three? The three are all smaller, the same size, and the bigger paper crown is much bigger than the three smaller crowns. Why would I have you do that? Because it's a visual reminder for your family and your guests. Maybe you take it to your restaurant table at East Villa. That would be interesting. Put out your paper crowns, three stacked on each other, the three small ones stacked on each other, and then on top of the stack of the three smaller crowns, put your large paper crown. You know why? Because the three kings from Orient who came to give gifts to the baby Jesus aren't nearly as important as the baby Jesus who's king of kings and lord of lords. What a visual. Maybe you could set that up at your workstation at work or at the restaurant you dine in for Christmas. Three paper crowns stacked on each other and a bigger paper crown on an angle on top of all three. That's because my Savior is King of kings and Lord of lords. And the three kings that brought him gifts the first Christmas were worshiping him, and they recognized that. Second observation. Christmas ended something that needed to be ended. Christmas ended that long wait for a king. 600 years, six centuries of Jews being without a king in any way, shape, or form ended when the king of kings burst on the scene, born of the virgin. What could you do to remind you of that? Why don't you sit down, if your kids are still at home, why don't you brainstorm one uh, day this week, I don't care what day, pick a day, and sit down and brainstorm with your kids at home, or if you don't have children, don't have children at home, pick up the phone with someone in your church family and brainstorm with them one day this new week on, on this line of thinking. What are the other things that Christmas has ended? Brainstorm with somebody who's a believer. What are the things that Christmas has ended? Let me prime the pump for you. Christmas ended the silent 400 years between the Old and the New Testament with respect to Revelation. Christmas ended the invisibility of God. I'll leave the rest for you to discuss with your kids or your spouse or a friend in the church by phone or over coffee. Brainstorm, what did Christmas end? Third observation, Christmas started something that needed to be started. And what Christmas started was the steady, unstoppable, measured walk of human history toward the King of Kings and Lord of Lords getting the planet under God's control. Now, here's a crazy one. I've given you crazy applications before, but this is right up there. What if you put on all your Christmas cards, if you haven't mailed them or given them out yet, your name, and then under your name, what if you wrote 600 forward slash IM forward slash 2000 with a plus sign forward slash 1000 forward slash J? Wishing you a Merry Christmas and a prosperous New Year. Pastor Rob, under my name, 600 forward slash I am 
forward slash 2,000 with a plus sign, forward slash 1,000 with a forward slash J. That'll raise a few eyebrows. 600 years between the prophet Micah and the birth of Israel's next king. I am Emmanuel, name of Jesus, God with us, Christmas. 2,000 years plus, the number of years that are still ticking down in the church age that we live in. J for judgment at Christ's second coming. Let me challenge you a little further. I challenge you to put that under your Christmas cards as you sign your name. What about if we did that under every email we closed our email with? Rob and then that. Let's say for a month. Let's say for January. Every time you send a text, every time you send an email, what about if you did that? Now, some people think you've lost it. That's all right. But if they don't ask you about it, say, do you know why I put that under my name? Yeah, I have no idea. What's up with that? You can tell them. Or some people, a little more bold, they're going to come up to you and say, what was that? And you can tell them. From Micah the prophet's time, 600 years, kingless. I am the burst of the king on the scene, Emmanuel, God with us, the first Christmas. Since Christ's time on earth, 2,000 plus years and counting between Micah 5 verse 3a and Micah 5 verse 3b, 2,000 years and counting, we call it the church age, to be ended by the second coming of Christ with the J. That when Jesus comes the first time, it won't be the Lamb of God who comes, it will be the Lion of the tribe of Judah to bring judgment and suppression of evil across the globe. That would make for some conversations beyond where can you get a sweater cheap? Or how about those Miami Dolphins? God is amazing. He's sovereign. He's loving. He's merciful. He's got it. He's got it. And there's just in the eyes of heaven a weekend between Micah 5.3a and Micah 5.3b. Just a weekend to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these precious truths. I thank you for my brothers and sisters who have received them and will put them into practice. Lord, we confess that we need you every nanosecond and that you are our highest good, our greatest joy. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. And God's subject said, amen. Amen.